Hey everybody and welcome to Podcast 21, a podcast of many things indirectly gaming related and a very sad life update at the end. So this is me going off on a little bit of a rant. So um, sorry to people who don't like it when I rant or who uh, this doesn't apply to, which probably is uh, most of you. Because I'm going to rant about uh, the state of onlineness and uh, not being online. I have a few games that I like to play that um, they, they require online. And it's like if I can't get online, I, I can't do them or I can't do the downloadable content. Like Mass Effect 2, I have quite a bit of downloaded content and, you know, extras. And it, it won't let me access those unless I'm online. So I can play the basic game, which I will I will happily play Mass Effect 3, the basic game, when it comes out. But I can't play any of the downloaded content from 2 because it can't verify that I actually own them. It, it lets me play the base game, but it's like, why, why would I want to play the base game when there's all this other content I, I can't access. So it was one of my favorite games to replay when I was just killing some time between other games. But now I, I really haven't wanted to play it. I haven't even tested it on this system to be sure it runs yet, I don't think. I'm sure it will run fine, but like I said, I, I don't really want to get into it and start another game when I know there's you know this, this, and this other content I can't play. And there's even downloadable content I want to play that I haven't bought yet because it came out in a time when I couldn't play it. And, you know, I, I can't access it now if I if I were to buy it unless I spent part of my, my time, my online time that I estimated was, you know, roughly 30 hours. So it's like I could take time out of my, my regular chunk of online time. But it's not, it's not the most ideal situation. That's kind of the game that I want to play in a more quiet, calm environment. And that's not the kind of environment I really have when I do have access to the internet. Other services like Steam require that you be connected to the internet to play the game or that I, th I think it allows you to play offline for a certain amount of time because I did get through all of Portal 2 offline, but it's like when I've tried to replay some levels recently, it says we can't verify this copy. So I think it needs to go online every now and then. And that's kind of a pain for for people like me and other students who might not have access all the time or who are behind a firewall and you know you have to get through the firewall for it to connect to the game server. So it's like I, I can connect every now and then if I remember to do that. But I didn't want to set up the service to automatically go online every time I start my system because I don't know, probably nine times out of ten when I restart my system, it doesn't have you know, access to being online. So it just goes, I can't get online. Hey, hey, I can't get online. What should I do? So I have to stop the program. And, you know, you do that five or six times a day, it gets really annoying. So I just turn that off and I have to manually do it. But I don't remember to manually do it. And once upon a time when dirt was new, games didn't actually require you to go online to to play or verify the copy. With some games, you know, MMOGs or other games where, you know, the server's online, you know, that I can understand requiring going online. But once upon a time, you would buy a game, 
you would install the game and it would ask for a CD key and that's all you needed. Nowadays it seems like more and more developers are turning towards you know this generic online account and then you bind all your games to this account. While that's great for a service like Steam or an online MMOG where if you 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 know you lose the copy of the disc or or you just want a newest version of the game and then you download the whole thing you know it's great for that but if you're somebody who's traveling like me you know or, or you know a student like I said behind a firewall and you can't you can't access it it's kind of a big pain in the butt because then you have to wait for the right time to install the game you have to wait for the right conditions and you know if it requires you to be connected then you can't play it at all I know most games do warn you that, that you need to be connected all the time, but some services don't warn you. Like with Bioshock 2, it didn't warn me, so I had no idea it would want to go online and connect to online while I, while I loaded up the game. So I had to stop the installation there, and then I had to do it later on. And as I mentioned in a previous podcast, it was being kind of dumb in the head, and it didn't let me play offline. Thank the gods, Batman Arkham Asylum, which uses the same kind of connection, did let me play offline. So I might go back and try and play Bioshock 2 again to see if it's, you know, corrected itself and it, it, it will work offline. But it's like I may have to put that on a shelf and not play until I'm back online in a desktop, you know, all the time. So I guess I guess this was really kind of just ranting about, you know, the state of changing. But, you know, once upon a time, and this was only you know, five to ten years ago, games didn't require you to go online. And now, you know, requiring games to go online to verify your account, to verify account creation, to, you know, input your code and and be sure you actually own this copy of the game, you know, that's well and good for developers who want to make sure that, you know, the person's not pirating the game or whatever. And I'm all for it in some ways. You know, it it does help, you know, make sure that you have this copy and it's a valid copy and it's you know, it's up to date with patches and whatnot, but it does make it kind of a big pain in the butt if, if you know, you're in that small percentage of the population like me who don't have access to the internet all the time. So I guess just kind of a rant, and uh, you can agree with me or not, and uh, if there are any developers listening, um, you know, just make it easier for us who don't always have access to the internet to be able to play. And, you know, don't make it so that it it needs to go online all the time to verify your account. Make it so that maybe it verifies the account and then maybe it warns you or it tells you, you know, you have so many more days remaining before, before I forget that you actually own this game. So be a little bit more flexible. You know, be aware that not everybody is connected to the internets all the time. Well, you're right about this being a bad idea. Thanks for saying, sir. I bring you pain, the kind you can't suffer quietly Fire up your brain, remind you inside your rioting Society is slipping, everything's slipping away Trust is a pretty big issue and something I've been thinking about a little bit um, in recent times I'm getting caught up on a TV series that I haven't been able to watch. I'm like two seasons behind. I've gotten a few few shows caught up uh, with the second season I'm behind on, so probably more like one and two-thirds behind. Anyways, the show is about trust. Today I went to my online game, 
and I asked if anybody needed me for groups, and nobody said they did. So I, I left, and then I said, okay, well, I'll be out in Vent, and if anybody needs me for a group, you can just tell me in Vent, but I'll, I'll be playing my other game, my new Borderlands game, which is awesome, and lots and lots of fun. Pew, 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 pew. Anyways, so I'm playing my game, and, and somebody said that they needed me for a group later on. And they said, you know, we need a, we need a good tank who, who you know, can, can do the dungeons. Can you, can you come back in? I'm like, yeah, sure. And so it, it just made me think about how in games, you know, we trust the tanks to, to keep threat, and we trust them to not move too fast, and we trust them to, you know, control the stuff and, and do the tanky things they're supposed to do. And we trust that healers will do the same, you know, that they'll keep you healed and that they'll heal other people when they need to heal. And, you know, similarly, we trust, you know, DPS people not to do crazy things that uh, DPSers sometimes do. And I've told my guildies about Borderlands as well. So it's like, you know, if you guys want to buy it too, we can play online together and we can do, you know, cool groups and, and the game is better that way. And so I think, you know, if you're going to do an online game, no matter what it is, people want people they can trust with them when they group together. So there's a lot of trust that goes back and forth in games, but it seems like it's been coming up a lot in my, my regular life stuff too. It makes me wonder if that might be part of the reason why I, I don't have very many friends. I wonder if, for whatever reason, people don't seem to trust me. It's like there, there's somebody, and I mentioned a, a, a series that I have on, on a DVD, it's a regular DVD, and it's like, oh, this is a really cool series. Uh, we've been talking about this other kind of TV series, and, and I thought you might like it. So, um, you know, you send me your address, and I'll send you my copy, and you can check it out because it's, it's older, and it's not really sold anymore. It's really hard to find. So I'm like, yeah, just send me your address, and I'll, I'll ship it to you. No big deal. And she hasn't. So, you know, it just made me think, does, does she trust me? Probably probably not because, you know, t you know, giving your address is kind of a big deal. I mean, she's like, you know, on the other side of the country or whatever, so it's not like I'm going to just be like, hi, surprise. You know, I, I could totally understand it if, you know, somebody was in the local area and didn't want to give out their address. But it just it just made me think about, you know, trust issues. With my life being sad and me being by myself, I don't have anyone to give my trust to. And I think part of a big deal in life is, you know, having people around you who are, you know, who, who are your friends or family or whatever, who you, you know, you can trust. Back in the day, um, I lent a TV series to somebody and he totally, he totally blew it because... I keep my my discs and stuff I collect in pretty much pristine condition. I don't I don't let it get messed up at all if I can avoid it. And so it's and you know look looks mint as it were. And so I lent him these this TV series that I had and he gave them back to me and they were pretty much trashed and it's like you know I didn't I didn't want to yell at him or anything because I trusted him and he he kind of blew that trust by returning them in a condition that was kind of baddish, you know, the there were some edges of the boxes that were torn and, you know, the discs weren't quite, you know, put back in, in the, the cases right. And so it kind of irked me, but it's like he also didn't know that that was the condition that I keep my stuff in. Oh, and he kept it for like three months, which, you know, if I'm going to lend something to somebody, I, I expect them to give it back to me like, you know, a week later or something, you know, two weeks at the most, but he kept it for months and months. So, you know, 
as the saying goes, he he blew my trust on that one. But I also didn't make it clear that, you know, this was the condition that I have stuff in. And I think if you're going to trust somebody, you have to have pretty much established, I wouldn't say rules, because everybody's idea of what they want is different. But you have to be sure that when when you're trusting somebody, that they know what that what that trust and what that item means to you. And so, you know, I, I didn't want to get mad at him because it wouldn't be fair for me to say, you know, you messed this thing up and, you know, pay me for it or whatever. Because, you know, he didn't know, so it wasn't fair. And a lot of uh, a lot of things in my own life right now, I can't I can't have that trust with people. You know, I, I, I am always paranoid about my stuff. And I have to kind of force myself to to let things go and trust other people. And it's like every now and then when I'm in the library, I kind of just force myself to walk away and take a leisurely stroll, you know, when I got to go to the bathroom or whatever, instead of running, you know, as fast as I can or taking my stuff with me. It's like, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to go to the bathroom and I'll come back in five or ten minutes and I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to trust people. And I think, you know, even though that is kind of risky, you know, it's it's Silicon Valley. Nobody's going to take my stuff. At least not while I'm on school campus or at the coffee shop I normally play at where everybody knows me. They're not going to. But it, I think it's really important to have people and situations in your life that you can trust. And I think that's part of why we like to watch scary movies. I mean, it seems like a, a silly connection, but the series I'm getting caught up in is it's kind of scary. And, um, you know, I watched a scary movie the other night, so I was thinking about it then too. But we like to... We like to be scared because we like to have that boundary of trust tested. You know, we like to say, this is my, my zone of safety where I feel safe and secure and happy. And I like to actually be pushed out of that zone now and then, you know, within reasonable bounds and be scared. And I think that's why so many people like scary movies because they have to put their trust in the movie to scare them, but do it in a safe way. So I think, I don't know, this section was probably just overly rambly as many of my sections are but I think it's just important to remember that you should have people in your life that you trust and you should be willing to give people your trust and be more free about giving people your trust but you know when you do that also explain to them when something really is important to you and why it's a big deal for you to trust them with that item or that thing don't just say you know go to the store and buy me this and then, you know, if they go to the store and they don't buy you that, you're all, Aah! you know, you have to, if it's a big deal, you have to explain why, you know, you're saying get this specific item. But it's also implied that if you are going to go, Aah! that you, you trusted them to a point and they, they blew that trust. So people have to know when you're, you're trusting them to do something important and why that is important to you. As a form of entertainment, video games are pretty cheap. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Because if you do a cost per hour played, it becomes really cheap. And most people don't think about it like that. They think about it like, 
oh, you want this console? It's like 500 bucks after you get the console and a couple games and a couple controllers or, you know, it's like 1500 bucks if you get a decent gaming system. You know, just, just kind of accept that, but also realize that you have to analyze it per hour. Like, I got this one game, Borderlands, and it's awesome, and I love it. And so I'm playing it, you know, quite a bit. I think I played already maybe eight hours. And I got it for, I think it was 30, for the Game of the Year edition, which has the basic game and then four expansions. So that would have been new, uh, 55 bucks plus 10 bucks per expansion. So I paid, like, 60 less. Anyways, that's kind of beside the point. That's you know, a whole different topic of getting games when they're not new and uh, a little bit cheaper, which is also a point of, of being cheap. But even if you divide that 30 bucks by eight hours, that's already fairly cheap. I mean, I'm not going to do the math. It's early morning for me, and my brain is not so good at maths. But if you think about an MMOG, it's got a, a pretty high price tag if you look at it directly. I mean, it's, you know, 55 new. And then 15 a month, and you're going, whoa, so expensive. But again, if you do the math, it's actually pretty cheap. Let's say that 55 is, you know, divided by 12. So, I, I don't know, that's like 5 bucks or something, uh, a little less. And then you've got 15 a month subscription, so that's, you know, 20 a month. And then you've got, say, maybe 5 bucks a month you put in reserve for expansions. It's like, what is what is that, like 25 a month? So, if you play just five hours a week, that's, you know, 20, 20 hours a month, you're paying roughly a dollar to a dollar fifty an hour. So, that's, you know, per hour, that's pretty cheap. If you look at something like renting a movie, renting a movie is anywhere between one dollar and five dollars for the movie. And if you're lucky, that's, that's like an hour and a half, two hours. So, you know, again, that's about 75 cents. You know, video games are pretty close to that. So that's that's a good value, too. But if you're talking about going to a movie in a theater, I don't know where you guys are, but around here it's about, you know, 12 bucks just for a regular movie. And then if you go, like, IMAX or 3D, you get up to, like, 15 bucks. And that's, that's again, you know, an hour and a half. So you're talking about, like, you know, 7 to 10 an hour, depending on how long the movie is, versus you know, buck, buck 50 for video gaming. And if you're going out to eat, you know, fast food is like five bucks and, you know, medium, medium good meals, like 10. It, these are, you know, around where I live. And then, you know, 15 to 20 for a, a good meal. And that's, you know, again, maybe an hour if you're, you know, with friends and chatting, maybe two hours if you really push it, if you're, if you're hanging out and just chatting or whatever. But still, I mean, that's, you know, 10 or 20 an hour, uh, you know, compared to like a buck fifty for video gaming. Even if you count, you know, a PC or console gaming and and you count upgrades, you know, say, you know, I recommend people mentally slate about two fifty a year for PC upgrades. So even that, even that's only like twenty more a month. So that's, you know, twenty hours, you know, a month played. That's still only like two dollars an hour for, for video gaming. So it may seem like an expensive habit when you start, but if you compare it to like going to a movie or you compare it to going out on vacation, God's God's forbid, you know, you look at the prices for, you know, taking a cruise or something, even just going to a convention is like, you know, 200, 250 a day, you know, if you're there. So that's like horrendously expensive in comparison. I suppose, you know, 24 hours 
Well, maybe, you know, $10 an hour if, if you counted all the hours. But still, I mean, that's still horrendously expensive compared to video gaming. So don't let that the sticker shock, you know, trick you into thinking it's too expensive. Most of you listening to the podcast probably already know this, but some of you out there may have spouses who say it's too expensive or you you may be, you know, younger and asking parents or siblings, you know, older siblings to, to get you stuff for Christmas or your birthday or whatever. You know, just... Just, you know, break it down in, in cost per hour if you have to. I mean, you know, it, if you shouldn't have to. But, you know, as a, as a form of entertainment, video gaming is actually pretty cheap, especially if you're getting stuff that's not new. And it's, you know, even cheaper. It's like half that cost. So it is, in my opinion, one of the, the cheapest things. Oh, and sports, too. Don't uh, don't forget sports. You know, if you, get, if you get a ball and you go out with your buddies to a park or something, it's pretty cheap. But, you know, if, if you're an official sport and you got to get pads and uniform and other equipment that's you know hundreds and hundreds of dollars adding up really quickly so you know it's probably just a one-time thing every few years but still you know compared to video game you know is it worth it per per hour as it were you know per game I guess you could say so you know you got to look at the costs for what they are long term not just the initial cost Those of you who are paying attention to the dates on when I'm releasing the podcasts may notice this one is a few days later than the week and a half that I've been doing it. Also, those of you who pay attention to the title may notice it says Fibula Fracture, and you might be wondering what that is. Well, the reason why it's late and the reason why the the title is Fibula Fracture is the same thing. On uh, Friday, um, there are some homeless people on campus. There's probably about six of us total um for the majority of us we are you know normal and stable but there are a few that are you know the older guys who probably need medication or are you know just completely whacked out of their gourd and on friday uh it's the summer so there aren't any classes on friday anymore i was hanging out there for a few hours just using the internet and uh, i went to the bathroom um you know need to go to the bathroom after lunch so I went into the bathroom, and I'm standing there holding my computer, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for like, it must have been like five minutes to use the stall. And so so I knock on the door, I knock, and that, that's it. You know, I wait for the guy to come out. Uh, you know, a minute later, the one of the homeless crazy people come out, and he just completely goes off on me with a, some kind of crazy ranting verbal assault and storms off. I do my business, but, you know, that that freaked me out. That's not the kind of guy I want on my campus, um, especially when there's, like, a low population and there's just, you know, a handful of students around. So I felt this was really unsafe, and uh, I didn't feel um, safe. And it, it certainly didn't seem safe for other students because, you know, the kind of stuff he was saying could have been, I, I don't know what it was. He, he accused me of being in a gang, and, you know, he was going to do bad things to my gang. And so I, I don't know if he was going off on my clothing or if he was going, you know, by my looks because I look half Asian. 
I don't know. So I didn't feel safe. And I wanted to report this to campus security because they're, they're there all the time, no matter what. Even if there's only a few of them, they're, they're still there. So I went to uh, campus security. There is some construction going on on campus. So I decided to take a shortcut um, through the construction. What, what they had done in that area was there's normally pavement there and they tore it up. So it was kind of uneven, uh, bumpy ground. But that wasn't the really dangerous part. I, I decided to walk down this hill. Um, it's, you know, maybe 45 degree hill, um, maybe it was maybe like six or 10 feet long instead of going the 50 extra feet forward and 50 extra feet back to get to the stairs, which, um, you know, that was my bad and my stupid and, and I should have gone to the stairs because what happened was there was a bunch of these little tree needles on the ground and I figured it would be stable enough to, you know, go down and not be too slippery, but it was as slippery as ice, if not worse. Um, my foot slipped out on the very first step, and I heard a snap and a pop, and I fell on that side, and then I kind of slid down the hill. And um, long story short, after four hours in the emergency room, which which those of you who follow my uh, Facebooking would, would have seen the saga of that, uh, they determined that I not only broke my ankle, but I also broke the... Uh, Fibula, well, fibula fracture is the technical term for it. What it is is that there's the big bone in front that you can see and you can poke when you poke your shin. And I guess there's like a couple of little bones behind that. And the, the fibula is one of those little bones. And it's sort of cracked, I guess, about two-thirds the way up. It's just a little tiny crack. I mean, she had to zoom in pretty big on the, uh, the x-ray, which hopefully I can get pictures for because it's kind of cool. Um... But yeah, that's that's there, and then my ankle is supposedly shifted out of place, so they're gonna they're gonna give it a serious look and see uh, see if the ankle looks like it's going back to normal, and uh, you know I might need pins for that. So uh, needless to say, my my whole life has changed now, and I'm very worried that uh, because of my homeless life and um, you know I need to drive my car and I have a stick shift, I still I still do have to put occasional pressure on there. If I put it straight on the heel, it's not too bad. I have a very high tolerance for pain. It's not really painful. It's just kind of like, you know, more like a, a muscle muscle um, cramp uh, just for a second or two, and then it's fine. Um, I, I'm actually putting more pressure on it when I accidentally step because of these stupid crutches are really painful on my hands and, and underarms. So if I lose balance, which I've done a few times, I, I wind up stepping and putting a lot of weight on my ankle, and then it's like... So, uh, I guess the moral of the story is, you know, protect other people's safety, protect your own safety, do, you know, what you got to do to feel safe and comfortable and, uh, you know, report bad thing, things, but also, you know, don't forget your own safety in, you know, I, I you know, I was worried about my, my mental safety and if this guy was going to assault me again later, you know, who knows, he might have, he might have gotten physical. He, he, he always carries bags and suitcases, though, so I doubt that would have happened, you know, at a, at a speed I couldn't have reacted. But I, I was worried about it. But in my, in my fear and my rush to get myself and other students um, more safe by telling the police to go check him out, I, I kind of ignored my physical safety, and um, that's cost me now possibly, uh, possibly something that could result in, in injury for the rest of my life because... You know, I am on my own. I, I can barely hobble around myself. You know, carrying things is next to impossible because, 
you know, you don't even think about just walking around to the store and carrying stuff and, you know, putting it in a shopping cart and carrying it off. I can't do that. I, I can't, I can't use a shopping cart. I can't, you know, hold one of those hand things. I can't even carry, you know, a soda can that's, you know, solid and, and carryable because I need both hands for the stupid crutches. I'm going to try and look at getting one of those leg scooter things. And if any of you have, you know, access to one, that would be awesome because uh, the one I found online was a couple hundred bucks and that's that's probably not affordable. If I can though, uh, I might invest the money in getting it because, you know, these these crutches are hurting my hands and underarms so much and causing me so much physical stress when I'm when I'm walking around. I feel sick like I'm going to throw up most of the time. And uh the pain on my hands and underarms is far greater than and the pain my foot has just, you know, holding my foot around or accidentally putting a little pressure on it when I move it around. That's tolerable. The, the stuff on my underarm and my hands from the crutches is it's really, really bad. So, And I, I guess the whole point of me holding the, the podcast and waiting to say this and, and getting it on, re- on the record, so to speak, is, you know, I say, I, I've said it before, you know, in my, in my various homeless writings that we are so very fragile and you really have to be careful and let people you care about know that uh, you care about them and and take care of each other. I mean, there's a lot of little things I'm noticing now that I am quote-unquote disabled that um, that are really kind of big deals. Like here at the, the work I'm at now today, there's sand uh, left in front of all of the doors. I don't know why. But for somebody somebody like me that's on crutches, that's uh, that's really, really dangerous because if, if one crutch slips out even just a little... I could take a dive and, you know, I, I hit the floor or whatever. Like I was uh, walking um, last night and uh, one of the crutches slipped out and I basically had to, you know, put all my weight on my foot and I was like, and then, you know, the rest of my stuff came crashing down. You know, something like that's a really huge deal. Or like this office chair was outside, you know, who knows why it was outside. It's like, you know, little things like that are a big deal. It's like, they should have put the office chair back in the office where it belongs. There shouldn't be sand out in front of the doors. You know, so, you know, take a few moments in your life and just think about safety, you know, just for other people, for yourself. You know, I say it all the time, you know, take care of yourself. Life is really fragile. This is an injury that because of my current life situation, you know, I don't have anyone to help me. I do have to drive myself around. This could be something that never heals right you know, for the rest of my life. And that's, that's going to be really sad if that happens. So, you know, take care of yourselves, guys, you know, really. Ahoy there, and welcome to the treasure chest. We gather to thank those who surrendered booty to the rabbit. I'm sure we can all agree we love a little booty now and then. <laughs> the following be all the rapscallions that donated their booty. Denise P. did send a donation for the rabbit's broken leg. Aren't rabbit legs supposed to be lucky? Aye, and the rabbit is more lucky even when it's alive. But perhaps the rabbit's luck did turn out in that the injury will heal correctly, and it could have been a far worse break than it were. So perhaps the rabbit was lucky indeed, even though this injury may take quite some time to repair itself. So that's it for this podcast. It was kind of crazy. A lot of stuff that was more indirectly related to gaming than directly related. Hopefully next time we'll be back on track with that. 
and it was late because uh, you know the the leg breaking. It was it was on schedule. Had had nothing bad happened on Friday, it would have been finished Friday night, and it would have gone out Saturday as normal. But but uh, you know the bad thing happened, and now my my entire life has been messed up and shifted around. I'm kind of surprised it actually hasn't happened sooner. You know I have been homeless you know three plus years now so far. And there's a, a daily increased risk on uh, everything I do, you know, driving around, you know, parking in the parking lot, walking around, uh, you know, everything I do because I'm homeless and I have to, you know, travel around to all these different places and do these different things instead of being in a nice, safe home, you know, it all increases my risk. And so I suppose in a way I count myself really lucky that this has been the first time anything bad has happened and that, um, you know, they did say that you know, if everything is normal, I, I should heal just fine and, and be back to normal in, in a short while. The, the papers that they gave me say that it estimates between four and eight weeks. I'm guessing that because I do have to drive myself around on my stick shift, and, uh, you know, until I get a little scooter thing, these crutches are going to kill me, and I'll probably take a, a few more tumbles on that. So I would guess that I'm, I'm probably going to be, you know, immobilized and, and sad for closer to eight weeks than not. Um, you know, hopefully not. Hopefully, uh, it will be more like, you know, two or three weeks in a cast and they go, okay, well, you seem to be doing a lot better and we'll, we'll take the cast off and just give you really good bandages or something and, and go back to the splint thing that I have now. I don't know. It's been, it's been forever since I broke any parts. Back in the day, I broke my arm when I was like, um, it was in high school. So I must've been about 16, uh, maybe 15. And they, uh, you know, they, back in the day, they had those old school casts that were, you know, like an inch thick or whatever. <laughs> so, so it's been quite a while since I've had a cast. I guess I have to make another appointment and uh, get a second checkout. I'll, I'll probably do that next week when, you know, it's back to the regular week and things are normal again. And I guess that's when they'll they'll put it in the official cast and uh, see how things go from there. Um, my life is what it is, and I have very little control. I I can just do what I need to do. So that's it for this time. Um, can't think of anything else. So hopefully I'll see everybody next time. And uh, sorry this podcast wasn't uh, as gamish as the the other ones normally are. And uh, hopefully uh, next time will be better. Okay, thanks. Bye. This isn't happening, Dale. We're not here. It's just a bad dream. Oh, I agree completely. Why, we'll wake up any minute to Carver and have a laugh about all this. This is the intro that goes here to introduce the podcast. I don't know what I'm going to say, though. So, uh, this will be deleted later. And this is the temporary intro to Podcast 21. Uh, oh. And today I was, um, playing a playing, Today I went into Guild and, oh, um, with my with my life at you know the my but
You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www.rabbit.com slash podcast slash rabbitsramblings.html. When you type Rabbit's Ramblings, don't use a space. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit.com. If you friend me, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit.com. Whenever you type rabbit in any of those, be sure to, to put a one in place of I. Rabbit's Rambling is copyright 2011 and is released under a Creative Commons Attribute Sharealike license.